The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. And the Philadelphia Eagles, they lost. They didn't look good. And as I mentioned earlier, Andy Dalton, Big Red, and the Cowboys offense, all of a sudden, winners of three straight. So John McMullen's going to join the conversation, our NFL Eagles insider. And a little bit later in the conversation, we'll, we'll get John's thoughts on the NFC East and who he feels like is going to win it. Washington wins. They're in. Uh, if they lose, the winner of the Dallas-New York game will be your NFC East division champ, rightfully earned. So let's bring John into the fold now. Follow John on Twitter, at JF McMullen. He writes for phillyvoice.com and si.com and host of Extending the Play every Saturday at 10 a.m. John, how are we doing tonight, sir? I'm doing well. How are you, Ryan? I'm doing well. You had a happy holiday. Yeah, I, I did. It was nice. Different this year, of course, but nice, and I hope the same for you. Uh, a lot of anxiety for me, as we mentioned, with Rich <laughs> on extending the play. No fun for me. <laughs> um, Crazy family, which yeah. we're not supposed to be around, but nonetheless, Meh. I'm well. gonna I'm gonna dime myself out. <laughs> That's fine. Sometimes you have to do that. Uh, the Eagles. Dime themselves out, I guess. They they just they're they're a bad football team. Newsflash, breaking news. It's it's nothing new. They lose by twenty, thirty seven, seventeen. Jalen Hurts, you just feel like he did the best he could. I mean, I don't know. You you I'm sure you agree. He played to what what he was given to Sean Jackson with the big touchdown early. They look really good early and then they just fall off a cliff there. So um let's get your just overall initial recap from that game. Yeah, I mean, I I thought he was really good in the first half, and and then that's been kind of the story in in the very short sample size of of Jalen Hurts. Second half's not quite as good, uh, and certainly not as good against Dallas. Uh, Eagles moved the football, had a ton of yardage, and and that's what it was. Cowboys were over 500. They almost hit 500. Uh, So they moved it and moved it pretty consistently, uh, but then you had the mistakes, and, and 
Jalen was a big part of that um, with the turnovers. And obviously, um, you know, I think people forget sometimes he's 22 years old and um, still learning uh, different situations. If you think that's – think about that fourth and 15 play, which I, I, I think at that point in the game, Eagles should have tried the field goal. But nonetheless, as a quarterback, you have to understand if it's fourth and 15, okay. You, you know, that's a situation where you got to take a chance, and you can't just dump it to Zach Ertz and expect him to break six tackles underneath on the way to converting a fourth and 15. That's where you do take a shot. Um, so there's there's little issues like that. Um, and, and and then, you know, it's inside the red zone and, and um, turning the football over and, and – you know, the false starts and, and people talk about cadence being an issue, uh, maybe. Just six false starts, I mean, that's unbelievable, uh, especially in, in, in the 2020 NFL where there, there are obviously fans in Dallas, one of the few places, but not enough to where it should impact you uh, when it comes to false starts. I mean, if there's 100 thousand people in that stadium you would be uh, appalled if your offensive line took six false starts so um, yeah a lot of issues and 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 you know, that's the reason it's 37 17 even though the Eagles had plenty of opportunities to make that a, a close game again Doug Peterson spoke to the media today like he always does and, and we'll get to that in a second but Let's get your thoughts on the defensive side of things. And they were attacking uh, Jaquette. They were attacking everyone in the Eagles secondary and um, with a lot of success. Yeah, well, it's not only uh, uh, Mike Jaquette, but also, you know, Marcus Epps and uh, at safety and for Rodney McLeod and, and just so many. I, I mean, it was the one guy they didn't attack because they didn't have to was Slay, and he had the big interception finally. And you thought maybe uh, that would give the Eagles a little bit of momentum. Uh, he returned it to to the 28 yard line. You know, the offense is set up, and they just went backwards. <laughs> so that was one of those things. But I, I do think Jim waited too long pulled the plug on Jaquette. It was obvious they were just uh, they were on it. I mean, Andy and that was that was the game plan, and, and Andy Dalton wasn't um, deviating, and he was just attacking him again and again and again, and it was working. Um, seven uh, receptions and nine targets, 180 yards, two touchdowns. Um, before they they moved Jalen Mills down the corner. Uh, but even that, I, I mean, look, at some point, the attrition, I, I mentioned the names. If you look at some of the names that had to play double-digit snaps on defense in a, in a must-win game, everybody from Jaquette to Epps to Kayvon Wallace, Graylin Arnold, T.Y. McGill, um, Raquan Williams, Joe Batchy, Nobody knows who Joe Batchy is. Uh, it, it, uh, it's tough. Uh, and you saw that all over the NFL. You know, this league is gearing up for 17 games. It started on Christmas when Minnesota gave up whatever, 52 points, whatever it was. They didn't have anybody on defense. Um, you saw it with the Eagles. You saw it 
uh, with Detroit, it, all over the place. I mean, the attrition in this league is just unbelievable. And now you look at Week 17, and there's at least a chance. It starts with Washington, with Taylor Heineke, um, you know, an old XFL quarterback. He had been in the NFL with Carolina, a um, little bit of time with the Vikings, uh, but never played. Uh, John Walford could, is going to play for the Rams. He was an AAF quarterback. And then Arizona's got a CFL quarterback who might have to start for Kyler Murray. It's it's just unreal out there. Yeah, it's it's pretty bad this year. I mean, it's bad every year. Teams this time of the season are dealing with a lot of injuries, but it seems to be a little bit worse than normal. Uh, John, you wrote an interesting article, SI.com. Doug Peterson adds context to a lost season. So uh, give us the extended version of that article and what Doug had to say today on a Monday. Yeah, it was interesting because obviously, you know, all hope is gone now. So you can kind of be a little bit more honest. And, you know, the Eagles have constantly really dating back to the Super Bowl season because they've had uh, a consistent, seemingly yearly problem with injuries. Although, if honestly, and that's the point I always try to point out to fans is, in context, I mean, there are tons of teams dealing with significant injuries. Uh, I just mentioned a bunch of them. You think about San Francisco, they have so many. I mean, that's a team that went from the NFC Championship game to out of the playoffs this time around because injuries, no other reason. They were just crippled uh, from very early in the season. Um, arguably the most talented team in the NFC, and just uh, it was one of those years. So, uh, it's certainly not only the Eagles, but Doug kind of admitted, and he started with the offensive line, and it's obvious. We've talked about it all season long. I mean, the the, the winner of this division is going to likely have seven wins, and it might even have six wins if everything breaks correctly uh, and the Eagles upset Washington and um the Giants beat the Cowboys, the, the winner of this division is going to have six wins. And, I, I, you know, if Lane Johnson is healthy and plays 16 games, if Brandon Brooks is healthy and plays 16 games, uh, if Isaac Samalo didn't miss half the season, and even Andre Dillard would at least have been competent at left tackle, uh, the Eagles easily get the eight wins. They already have the NFC East in hand. And so, that's what Doug kind of said when, when, you know, people take the, the, the pessimistic view and say, what are you going to do with this team? It's such a disaster. Well, if that offensive line is healthy, everything looks a lot rosier. Now, that's a big if because, yeah. you know, Brooks and Johnson are older and have significant injury histories. Kelsey has talked about retirement. If he retires, that's a concern. But if all those guys are back, and if they're healthy, changes the whole complexion of this team, the entire complexion of this team. I remember asking you this last year and maybe even the season prior around the same time, but how much is it the injuries versus legit need? Because every year, John, it feels like you're right, and I'm not disputing any of it, that there's so many injuries that, of course, that's a big factor, but there's also a lot of areas where you say, boy, they need to improve that spot. 
So how do we decipher which one is which? Well, I think you understand who the good players are and, and, and who the good players aren't, and it's pretty evident. I mean, when we look at this team being a, a Super Bowl champion, for instance, well, they had a, a really good offensive line and, and, and really good uh, uh, players having even, even the players that maybe weren't really good fit in very well. Whether, you know, we always talk about those one-year wonder guys, Patrick Robinson, LeGarrette Blunt. Um, Chris Long turned out to be more than one year, but you get the point. Those one-year contract guys um, all hitting at the same time. Uh, in this case, you look at a team and say, well, if they were healthy with that offensive line, they'd probably win the worst division in NFL history. But they're not a significant contender. So it's obvious what they need. They need, you know, it seems like an annual um Thing now we talk about the need at wide receiver it still exists uh they need a compliment to miles sanders who is just i'm sorry he's just not a lead back in this league a lead back not not it, it, a lead back in in the realm of a, a derrick henry or a dalvin cook or the really really top running backs he's not that guy you need a a, a committee you need two guys um, maybe he can turn that corner. Maybe he has that possibility, but he hasn't done it yet. Um, the back seven, um, this is not the week to say it, obviously, after they got gouged by, by Andy Dalton. But, uh, I mean, it's amazing what Jim Schwartz has been able to cobble together with that defense throughout most of the season with that back seven. It's just amazing. Um, there's not enough talent. Uh, and they need so many pieces back there. Um, and, of course, you got to get younger. And, you know, maybe one of the silver linings of, of this disastrous season is we go back to the offensive line and guys like Jordan Mailata and Nate Herbig and Jack Driscoll got um, significant snaps and you get the startup cost out of the way. Maybe they become better players down the line. Alex Singleton on, on the defensive side of the ball. Um, you're certainly not going to say Mike Jaquette anymore. I can tell you that. I think they were thinking that before the Dallas game. Maybe they found something. I, I don't think they necessarily think that now. A lot of holes to fill. A lot of holes. But um, there's, a, there's a difference between holes to fill the, to win the NFC East and holes to fill to win the Super Bowl. What's more likely, big-time changes in the front office or big-time changes in the coaching staff? Uh, the coaching staff. I mean, Jeffrey's not going to fire Howie Roseman. So, I, I mean, I, there could be some personnel uh, department changes, but that tends to happen after the draft. That's on a different schedule um, than, than the coaching and the players. Uh, they run on a different sort of yearly schedule, and when you make changes – in the personnel department, everybody's contract runs up until the draft, and you tend to make those moves after the draft. Um, uh, as far as the coaching staff, I mean, that's the nature of this league. If you have a dis disappointing season, there's going to be a scapegoat. So the question is, who who's the scapegoat? Um, last year it was Mike Rowe, and 
you know, Carson Wallace. And remember, they won the division last year, and they still had scapegoats. Um, so somebody's going. It's a question. If Doug goes, a lot of people are going, almost the entire staff. Uh, if Doug doesn't go, it'll be probably one or two targeted changes, and they could be significant. Special teams, I, I mentioned, this is by far the worst special teams group that the Eagles have had in years, and certainly in the Dave Fipp era. So he might be a scapegoat. And, yeah, there's always a chance that, that Jim could be a scapegoat as well. What's the most likely scenario here? Jalen Hurts traded, Carson Wentz traded, or both on the roster next year? Uh, both on the roster. It's far more likely than either. Uh, I would I would say both 90%. Uh, Jalen getting traded 5%, and Carson getting traded 2%. <laughs> <laughs> and then 3% undecided. Right. Is that the math? Did yeah. I do that right? Yeah, sure. That's the math. I mean, I'm, it makes sense. I, I think it should be more on uh, undecided with this team. <laughs> now, I mean, I you know, the, the money, as I said, the dead cap, I've been saying it from the start. I, I, I just have seen no evidence that Jeffrey Lurie is the type of owner that would be that fiscally uh, irresponsible. I it, it, it's just yeah. I, like I said, I could see Jerry Jones doing it. Even that would be um, really difficult. Again, you'd be the the record, which I've said on the show numerous times, is, is a little bit over twenty one million dollars, and you would be ramping that up to thirty four million. So that's just a horrific precedent uh, to set. Uh, and I just. I, I just can't see um, I, I, I just can't see Jeffrey Lord being the guy doing that. I, I, I've seen no evidence he would be that type of fiscally irresponsible owner. I, I, it, it certainly would be out of character. Um, and, and then from Jalen Hurts' perspective, I, I mean, the Eagles have him under contract and, and – and, a cost-effective right. Remember, they need a backup quarterback and no matter what. Uh, he's proven. I just mentioned some of the guys who might be starting this week. So there aren't a lot of great backup quarterbacks in this league. You just saw maybe the best in Andy Dalton. Um, I mean, there's not 32 starters, so obviously by definition uh, there's not a lot of great backups. So to have a cost-effective one uh, – is 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 good from that perspective, and then you're going to have, and it's really early, uh, but people are going to start talking draft. You're going to have at least five quarterbacks going in the first round. So the only way I think they would get rid of Jalen Hurts is if you can get a first round pick. And I just think there's too many options uh, in the draft for people to to go down that route. Uh, and that second half didn't help them in Dallas. So the Eagles are taking on Washington, and if Washington wins, they are in. They're the NFC East winners. Washington right now is favored by one point on DraftKings. And then you have the Dallas and New York game where the Cowboys are favored by two and a half at the Meadowlands. Uh, John, what's the most likely outcome here for the NFC East? 
Boy, that's a good question. I, I mean, I think if Alex Smith plays, uh, I think Washington will get it done. Uh, but I, I can't pick a team with Taylor Henneke <laughs> playing quarterback to win. I, I mean, I, I that 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 it is unbelievable what a disaster has gone on. And you know, Washington cut Dwayne Haskins today, and, and you know, we we haven't even talked about the off the field stuff and the Washington Post dropping another scandal with Daniel Snyder. I mean, if Ron Rivera wins this division, doesn't win the coach of the year, something's wrong. Um, Not even mentioning his his battle with cancer. Uh, Just to have to go into that toxic culture and have that team in a a win-in-your-in situation is pretty amazing. But go win without Alex Smith and likely without Terry McLaurin as well. So... Uh, even though the Eagles have nothing to play for, they might trip over Washington and win that game. Uh, and obviously then it turns to who wins uh, um, Dallas and the Giants. And if that's the case and the Eagles do pull off the win, I, I'd like to see the Giants win only because then the NFC East champion has six wins. And I think that would be apropos <laughs> being the worst division and the history of football, and the Eagles can't win it when the when the division champion has six wins. So that might make Jeffrey Lurie a little emotional. Unbelievable. We're talking with our NFL Eagles insider, Johnny Mack, John McMullen. Follow him on Twitter at JF McMullen. Check out his written work at phillyvoice.com and Sports Illustrated at si.com. And listen to Extending the Play every Saturday from 10 a.m., to 11 a.m. John, I mentioned the Titans, the Dolphins, the Ravens, the Browns, and the Colts. One of those teams are not going to make the AFC playoffs, and they're all 10-5. and five. Just your thoughts on that. Yeah, I know, uh, and people are going to bring that up and say uh, a team that good is not going to make the postseason. Somebody's <laughs> going to be in the NFC side with six or seven wins and and. But that's, I, I mean, that just happens, and I, I don't have a problem with it. I, I mean, division champions mean something, especially with an unbalanced schedule. Remember, the 32-team league, you play 16 games, so everybody doesn't get to play everybody, so it's not fair to begin with. Uh, and that's why I think it's important to keep the sanctity, so to speak, of the division champions even in a year like this. Uh, but, yeah, obviously it'll be disappointing. I, I think more of the disappointment is got to – I think it ends up just because Cleveland is Cleveland, that they're not going to make the playoffs. And I, I think if you look at what happened and, and the COVID situation and the receivers, and I just don't like how the NFL has handled those situations. I've been saying it all year. Guys don't test positive. They're not allowed to play. Uh, as close contacts, I just don't agree with it. And and they are affecting competitive balance. And they admit that, by the way, and say they're not interested in competitive balance. And um, it's about health. It's about stopping the spread. But I, I just don't like the way they've gone about it. And they've changed the playoff landscape by some of the decisions they've made. And you know, people forget things really quickly in this league, but even if you go back to the Denver game when they had no quarterbacks, that was New Orleans and easy New Orleans win. All these 
decisions have ramifications, and the NFL doesn't care. And no surprise, but uh, I, I do have a problem with it. Who do you like right now as we only have one week left um, to win the Super Bowl? Is it still the Kansas City Chiefs and then everyone else? Or, you know, what are your thoughts? The AFC playoff pitcher in general is going to be a lot of fun. Buffalo Bills obviously getting a lot of attention. Pittsburgh coming back from behind uh, to win their game against the Colts. What do you see on both sides? Well, I, yeah, I mean, I think Kansas City's a significant favorite, although they have not been playing well recently. I, it's strange to say when you win 10 straight and you're 14-1, but uh, they have not been playing up to their standard. Uh, obviously, they've been finding ways to win. Uh, so you at least leave the little door open. But, you know, I, I just talked about Cleveland. If that happens to Kansas City on the wrong week, then we're having a different conversation think if everyone's healthy everyone's ready to go i think they're just going to be so difficult to beat and you saw it last year in the playoffs even when they played poorly early in the playoffs against houston against um they just have so much power offensively they people forget they play terrible in the super bowl i would argue the first three quarters of the super bowl was the worst patrick mahomes has played and everybody forgets because they went off in the fourth quarter um so, I, I mean, they would have to play very poorly on a given day. Um, but, yeah, they're significant favorites. I think the NFC side's far more open, wide open. Um, but I do think you saw it last night again. Aaron Rodgers is the MVP of this league. I don't think it's even that close, to be honest. Uh, and he's playing at such a high level. Um, Green Bay's going to be tough. But they have their own issues, especially defensively, especially stopping the run. So if it's uh, the wrong situation, you know, interesting, everybody went nuts on Christmas with Kamara and the six touchdowns. But uh, I just mentioned Minnesota is one of those teams. They had nothing on the defensive side of the ball. No Hunter, no Pierce, no Barr, no Kendricks. Their entire front front seven was wiped out. They were down to third-string linebackers that never played before. Uh, and, and people look at that, and they don't look at the context, and they say, oh, New Orleans is back. I got news for you. I think Drew Brees looked terrible. Hmm. Uh, it's tough to say that, but it was clearly he was, he, he's worried about those ribs. He's short-arming throws, and against a team that's healthy and ready to go, I'm not sure New Orleans is anywhere close to being back. So I think that kind of distances uh, things even further for Green Bay. And we're live right now as the Monday night game's wrapping up. There's about six minutes left. The Bills are just dominating the Patriots, 38-9. to um, John, last question for you. What's the biggest storyline? What's the most intriguing storyline for you in the entire NFL as we shift gears to the last game of the regular season this week? Well, I, I, you mentioned Buffalo. I think Buffalo is the most interesting team uh, for a number of reasons, and starting with Josh Allen. But everything has worked out so well. That trade for Stephon Diggs is looking brilliant. Uh, but I, I, I didn't think um, – I didn't think Allen had the accuracy to turn it on like the way he did. And, and if you're looking at one team that might be able to score 
with Kansas City and, and win like a 35-30 game, maybe it is Buffalo. And generally, a young quarterback like that has to learn how to win in the playoffs. But I just talked about MVP race. To me, it's clear Rodgers wins and Holmes is two, but Josh Allen would be number three. I, he's been unbelievable this season. Yeah, he really has. And it, he's proven to me that, okay, it's not just a weird second-half stretch, not even second-half. I mean, he had, what, three or four weeks where he really upped his game, and it's just been week after week. Josh Allen seems like he just gets better and better, and that team does look scary as they have a 38 spot right now up on the Patriots. Um, One of the many storylines to watch, especially in the AFC. John and I will cover it all for you. Eagles talk, not going to go anywhere Every night, 1030 on The Fix for your football fix. John, thank you as always, my friend. Appreciate it. Hey, thanks, Ryan. Yep, no problem. Follow him on Twitter, at J.F. McMullen. Uh, the Bills, man. Like, say, I, I know the Patriots aren't good, all right? But they've played, they played some good teams tough. But they still have Belichick on the sidelines. To be up on any team in the NFL this big, and especially you look at what they've done over previous games, the Bills are going to be a force, and this AFC playoff picture and the actual AFC playoffs, it's going to be uh, it's going to be a good one. Get you a popcorn ready. All right, let's take a break. One hour down. To lead off the second hour, we have Luke Burgandy, the founder of PropSwap, joining me. Keep it locked in right here, AM 1490, Sports Betting Radio. Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older, but Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. Midi clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. 